to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. vacation and now i don't remember how to do any of this not that i was ever good at it before the show is starting this is the show um i'm jake flores anders lee is here that anders lee here Ooh, and returning champion of the podcast naomi caravani Naomi chomsky Na- no nomi caravansky <laughs> karachomsky yeah, stop emailing her. <laughs> You're related, aren't you? Yeah, through yeah, through some, you know, Jew, some ancient Jew, we go back to Abraham. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, your long distant cousins. Um, first order of business, right up top. If you are a loyal listener of the show. And you listen to the podcast via the purple icon uh, podcast app. That hey, that's what I do. Comes with your fucking Apple phone. Um, the last episode, I guess, didn't upload. I thought it was because that they updated the the iOS and wrecked everything, which it, it did happen. That's why our old logo from the first week I made this show, like four years ago, is on it. I don't know how to fix it. I've been trying to fix it for four years. Uh, and also, I, so I thought that was why our podcast feed wasn't updating, but I think it's because I, when we did the episode about cocaine, I used <laughs> a small sample of a song that I was not allowed to, which is Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles, because I thought that it embodied cocaine pretty well. Especially is cocaine, <laughs> laugh in the fast lane. My friend Avery Moore has a really good joke about how everyone hates the Eagles and like all millennials do, and they're wrong because the thing that's cool about the Eagles is that they combined the Bible and cocaine, and that's their concept for a band. <laughs> <laughs> and what you get is a guy screaming everything all the time, which is just like an insane lyric. Yeah. This sounds like what the seventies was like. Yeah. The Bible and cocaine. Yeah, it's like perfect. That, yeah. Like, if you listen to the band, it's a lot of that. Although, it's slightly different drug, possibly, but a lot of, like, biblical stuff. But it's you, you, they're singing about Bethlehem, then you realize it's actually Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, like, the 70s, there were old hippies that were Christians. And it was, like, there. I think they were right. not yet galvanized into like evil evangelical types you were still allowed to like smoke weed and stuff and read the bible right i mean it was the uh, only until the late 70s early 80s that i mean we did an episode about this that christianity became evil like there was always like that undertone there but it was not at all hegemonic on in christian america like jimmy carter was a fundamentalist christian and he was you know 
basically pro-choice. He wasn't perfect on abortion, but was a social liberal. And, uh, you know, they liked smoking weed and hanging out. Mike Pence was... Smoked weed and hung out. <laughs> I think he did LSD at this weird, like... <laughs> seriously, this thing in the late 60s, 70s? I think it was the 70s, yeah. It was some, like, Woodstock, but Christian. But they still did LSD. Yeah. And then the, it, I am in a glass of orange soda guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just completely... You know, then it completely went straight laced under Reagan and became militant and insane. Do you think that's what happened to him? Like he MK ultraed himself into a stoic weirdo? Maybe. Yeah. I th- well, I, I think it's hard, impossible to separate it from the trajectory of fundamentalist Christian uh, ideology onto like the American political scene and political establishment because that was the year of Reagan and Mike Pence has always wanted to be president. So he recognized that this is the path and this is what God wants him to do. So yeah. uh, acid, I'm sh- sh- sure played a role though. Yeah. Lamest. I, mean, I talk to God when I do acid. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. I mean, I, I was tracks. a little offended that he didn't tell me to run for president. Yeah. You got to <laughs> you got to do extra acid for that one. <laughs> Well, speaking of the tribe, I believe around this time, too, Bob Dylan had, like, a, an orthodox phase. He just got, like, super Jewish, and he wrote this, like, pro-Israel song called Neighborhood Bully. And it was, like, the, the bully is good. It's really the weird. The bully is good in I, the song? Let me look up the lyrics. Yeah, but, like, it's about Israel. Neighborhood bully. That's funny. That's like, did you ever, uh, have you ever seen On the Waterfront, the Elliot Kazan movie? Yeah. It's like about how informing is good because he, yes, he was like in the McCarthy shit and he ratted on people. So he just made a movie where like the the rat is actually the hero, though, if you think about it. Yeah. Okay, here are the lyrics. Well, the neighborhood bully, he's just one man. His enemies say he's on their land. They got him outnumbered about a million to one. He's got no place to escape to, no place to run. He's the neighborhood bully. He just lives to survive. He's criticized and condemned for being alive. (laughs) He's not supposed to fight back. He's supposed to have thick skin. He's supposed to lay down and die when his door is kicked in. He's the... (laughs) So... Very, oh my God. yeah. Well, that does really capture what Israel is, you know, a settler colonial state of re- refugees. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I don't know if he still well, holds these views or he stopped caring, but, or he, this was just an act. This is one of his crazy, you know, performance art, pseudo beliefs that wasn't actually, yeah. <laughs> I don't, that's weird. I mean, I, I'm curious what the song sounds like because when you read it off the page like that it sounded like extra bad because i don't think he usually <laughs> All right. right well no i don't think it was his rhythm <laughs> like the rhyme structure it's just musicians don't often write like roses are red violets are blue like a b a b stuff like that <laughs> you know there's something there's usually something more complicated going on yeah Every empire that's enslaved him is gone. Egypt and Rome, even the great Babylon. He's made a (laughs) garden of paradise in the desert sand, in bed with nobody, under no one's command. This sounds like it was written in like a bathroom stall. Yeah, it probably was. Weren't you saying, Naomi, that uh, the Jews were not actually 
slaves? Yeah, in Egypt. There's, uh, yeah, there's no evidence of it. And, you know, we do have a lot of evidence from Egypt about, there's just a ton of written records from Egypt. And uh, the timing is off in the Old Testament. So the Jews wouldn't have been able to build the pyramids. We do have some, you know, receipts of payments for workers who worked on the pyramids. So, oh, so anyways, pyramids. Uh, yeah, and some of those people who were paid were slaves. So how were they slaves then? It's, it was just a status thing in the in the uh, ancient world. Uh, so it was one of those things where, like, you have no other option but to do this. You were under my command. You were going to do this. I'll also throw you a couple... Rubles um, or whatever. I, I not mean, rubles. I don't know how much we can speculate that, but s- slaves did have. Uh, I mean, the the pre you know modern conception of a slave is completely different than what we know today. A, a slave could be like an adopted child almost, and in, in the ancient world, you really? we just have no idea. It, it could be an adopted child, or like, or on the spectrum of like. Also, a modern slave. Uh, a person on the spectrum was a yeah, slave. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aliens. A spectrum of slaves. Yeah, <laughs> you know, aliens. Um, you know, no, the no, uh, Romans, a theater, they supposedly invented theater, or was it the Greeks, one of them? And uh, originally, theater, for the most part, like most theater performances, were at bars, and they would get slaves to have sex. And then they would kill them in the like on stage. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where I got the ex- inspiration for my act, folks. <laughs> folks, <laughs> folks, come see us live on tour. We're gonna do it the old way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without slaves, though, uh, it's all consensual. No, it's gig workers um, and shit. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the newest thing. You could, you're you're a debt peon, and the way the uh, debt will not be passed down to your family members is you uh, you submit yourself to be executed in a live performance. Yeah. Like Marina Abramovich, uh, Marina Abramovich will do some fucking thing with your death, and that's yeah. how <laughs> your family avoids the bondage of your student loans. Yeah, um, you do it through Fiverr or Task Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> So you should write a letter to the editor of Bob Dylan and tell him that uh, actually no, the uh, our your tribe was not enslaved in mm-hmm. Egypt. I mean, land. yeah. I mean, I guess there's a theory that the tribes of Israel came together, you know, around a thousand BC, and one, um, one like I guess sub tribe may have been enslaved at some point in Egypt, but it's it's really there's no. Very little evidence. But the pyramids, the pyramids are built by independent contractors, is what you're saying. Yep, gig workers or aliens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me- meth heads. Like when you have to have tile laid at your uh, restaurant yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why are these things falling off? Yeah, maybe they would have like stayed totally intact if they if they were paid properly. Well, maybe the the original floor plan was just it was supposed to be like a fucking park or something and then they hired like a <laughs> weird tweaker subcontractor and then they showed up and they're like what the fuck is this? Why is it a triangle? <laughs> well, it was like cool a, though. Yeah, it was a park shaped like a triangle and then <laughs> <laughs> What the what's Wait, a why is the why is the cat got wings and human tits? What did you do? <laughs> 
<laughs> what did you do? <laughs> right, fuck it. Well, there, there's a theory that they stored grain. Is that accurate? In this, fa- well, they were tombs. The pyramids were just tombs. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had granaries. Okay. They had other places to store grain. But I'm not an Egyptologist. All right, okay. Fine. <laughs> well, I kind of I'm a minor one because um, the other and you are too. The other weekend we watched uh, the Mummy, at least the second half, <laughs> and that teaches you a lot. Uh, it's a great spoiler alert. This is a, a fun kind of concept. They uh, show up these white archaeologists and Rachel Weiss. I don't know what ethnicity she's supposed to be, but they show up and uh, they're like excavating this tomb. And the Egyptian townspeople are like, okay, could you not do that? There's like a, a mummy in there who will come out and kill all of us. And they're like, <laughs> really? We want to see that. Uh, and they're like, please don't do it. And they're like, we're going to do it. And they did it. And he kills a lot of people. And then finally they managed to kill Imhotep or at least put him. What do they do with him? They throw him, else, they throw him elsewhere. And the townspeople are just immediately super grateful all of a sudden. Even though they're like, we, yeah, they, it was fine. He's trapped in there. We figured it out. Let him be. Um, yeah, movie so, didn't really make any sense. They started the whole problem. And then they enraged the Scorpion King next time. Right. It's just one series after another of, yeah. Of problems they create, but then solve. Yeah. Me and I, my standalone. Sorry. <laughs> Me and my roommate watched that a while back, and then as a double feature, we watched this movie that came out like in 2019, 2020, I want to say. It got fucked up by like the pandemic or something. So it was like a really, really weird movie that was. Um, the cast is insane. It's like this star studded cast, and Brendan Fraser's in it, and it was made like two years ago, right? So the thing that you got to understand about Brendan Fraser is that in The Mummy, he's like one of the hottest men in the world, right? Yeah. It's crazy. And then in this movie that came out a couple years ago, it's like, okay, who's in it? Uh, John Travolta's... Oh, it stars John Travolta and then his daughter's in it and then Brendan Fraser's in it, Famke Jansen, Alice, I don't know. It's a bunch of fucking people. Brendan Fraser plays this dentist who I guess he's supposed to be Cajun and he he speaks with like a southern lisp like this the whole time. It's weird. And he's like fat. It's the weirdest fucking thing because it doesn't have anything to do with his character. There's no reason yeah. that he affected this just as an actor that he's just like, he's like I have to get fat. Well, Mr. I'm gonna play De- Cajun. Yeah, but he's but it's like a weird like. Mr. Detective, I haven't seen that young lady in 70, seven, eight years. I don't know anything. It's fucking weird, man. It, it's it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> it's like a noir thing starring a fat John Travolta and a fat Brendan Fraser. Whoa. Yeah, I've seen photos of him recently. It's very upsetting. Um, yeah, it's and weird. It's a very sad tale of this guy because he was, you know, a lot of people's favorite uh, he was a, a very affable. If you were like a nerdy kid, he was a very affable leading man because he, he was he was good, but it was also kind of like he doesn't really belong, you know, as the hero. He's a little too dorky, uh, and now he's just, um, you know, become a, too big to be the hero. 
in in the eyes of Hollywood. Yeah, not in my eyes. Uh, but he also the really sad thing is he got a divorce, and uh, basically he has to pay more than he takes in. So he's like doing all these movies, even though his star has fallen and he's not making what he used to. Yeah, uh, and he, oh, what all of this- it is going to alimony. Yeah. Oh, what is this movie about? Uh, you have to eat yourself to death. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of them. Yeah, yeah that's it, the next movie he's going to be in. It's like, yeah, Nicolas Cage, except paying off his islands. It's just like paying off his ex-wife. He has the alimony oh, thing going like a uh, like Dave Foley, like that sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, very it's, sad. It makes you want to become a men's rights activist, right? Oh, so well, to his things. credit, he has not, you know, taken that sort of, at least as far as I know, he has not jumped on that bandwagon, you know? No, he became just, Cajun instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the other dark path. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing voodoo and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that sucks. I mean, and I'm, there are all sorts of ways that women and moms get screwed over by the legal system and by capitalism. And, you know, that's... That's the problem. Hey, it is Father's Day. Maybe we should uh, yeah. stick up for the fellas. Yeah. Let's right. talk about Kamala Harris's father, <laughs> which you probably already have on the podcast. Not We've had so. him on? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's his deal? I wish. Oh, wait. No, well, we have talked about him. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. he... He famously said that the courts are biased against fathers. Oh. And involved in his, in, uh, his divorce. That's that. And you know what? Because of that, Kamala was not taught was not taught the uh, dialectical science of Marxism. She, uh, you know, had she been with Papa, she would have learned the right way. And instead, she was led astray and became a uh, careerist capital monger. That's a good so, theory. That tracks. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine <laughs> if you could only your because your dad has to let you play video games and stuff when you come over. <laughs> So you think he's yeah. cool. <laughs> he has to be the fun dad. No, but she just didn't see him for years. Yeah. He but if if the courts had made a different imaginary. De- yeah, but, but if the court had made a different decision, she would have a probably a completely different worldview. Because her mom, I believe, was just a scientist. Which she is fine. Have smoked pot. I mean, that maybe, but like, did you learn any of the shit you know from your parents? Definitely not. In a vague sort of way, yeah. Just like you know, share and stuff like that. I don't know. I will like a bunch of Marxist professors. I feel like if my dad had been a Marxist professor when I got, you know, in my spry teenage years and started getting interested in that stuff, I would talk, I would have talked to him about it and perhaps would have been guided down that path. So if she had been in touch with him while she was, you know, in high school, going into college, maybe she would have thought twice about becoming a DA, you know? Yeah. That's my theory. You yeah. know, she actually, when she became DA, and and we all the excuse to her is for her is always like, oh, dude, that was the time she was. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was like two thousand three, but still, even back then, you know, there was this tough on crime wave, and she had no choice but to acclimate herself to that and her positions to that. But she primaried a guy in San Francisco who was already ahead of the curve and was already saying like, hey, maybe there's some alternative to like locking people up for nothing. Uh, Maybe there's we shouldn't be, you know, 
doing mass incarceration and she primaried him and she used yeah. all the same like fear baiting and that man know. was her father it turns out yeah. <laughs> her long lost dad <laughs> that man was me <laughs> yeah that little girl grew up to be kamala's dad wow really makes you think yeah i don't know um my dad did not take, I think, my career seriously, nor should he have until we started making a lot of money. Not a lot of money, but like enough to, you know, show something for. Mm-hmm. And he uh, is an insane old man, and he loves the Jim Cramer show now, Mad Money. And oh, boy. <laughs> Does he, is he really into stocks? Yeah, I think he thinks he's going to get rich on stocks uh, at the end of his life. And he told me recently, he was like, yeah, you're kind of like Jim Cramer. <laughs> a way of, you're uh, the Jim Cramer of, um, of like, anti-capitalism? I guess. I'll take it. Which <laughs> used to be Jim Cramer because he was in the Spartacist League before he turned. That's true. So maybe yeah. there is actually time for us to turn into a mad money. Wait, what's the Spartacist League? Oh, boy. Uh, well, <laughs> Real quick. They are, I believe, now defunct. No, this is on brand. We should talk about it. Yeah. I believe they're now defunct. Uh, and they are now like the international group or something like that. Because this is what happens when these um, leagues, shall we say, when the leader – some might call him the cult leader, uh, passes away, they they don't know what to do, so they, you know, break up. And I think some of the members have started this thing called the International Group or something. But basically they go all the way back to uh, the time of Rosa. Uh, I think she was in a Spartacist League. Maybe the one the still one that continued until Rosa recently. Luxemburg? Yeah. Um but they, over the years, have gotten totally deranged, and basically, they're sort of um, they're sort Freemasons, of but for the working class. Well, not quite that deranged, in fairness. I mean, they so basically they are trots, uh, so they have the analysis of Trotsky, but unlike other trot groups like the you know Socialist Equality Party or something like that, they believe that. We have to, uh, the left in America and around the world, has to maintain and form solidarity with North Korea. And that's like the most important thing. And they acknowledge, yes, North Korea is a deformed worker state. However, it's the best thing going on. And we have to, you know, hitch ourselves to that wagon, uh, which I don't I still just don't understand how that's supposed to work. Like what what do you really want an American to do other than say, uh, hey, let's. And the Korean War. Let's let's pull back. Let's start negotiating. I don't I, like that's that that's basically the DSA position, and we're called imperialists. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's like the heuristic of Trotsky with the uh, political day to day outlook of PSL. If that makes any sense. So you had Jim Cramer like rolling up his sleeves and pointing at uh, maps of Korea and like yeah well it's, he used to be and then he had a radical 180 and now he's like a stock market guy is the story yeah wow apparently but I've known people who have lost money from from him I know I uh, one in particular yeah <laughs> <laughs> happy father's day yeah. everyone <laughs> well he got skewered on the daily show this is like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, but he was on um, uh, 
uh, the Daily Show with John Stewart, and base and they at, they he confronted him about like how he was you know promoting stocks that he had a vested interest in and shit like that. Um, so yeah, he's not even good at what he does now, yeah. which is I mean I guess he is, which he's is an been entertainer meme stock. Yeah, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and he gets mad. That's cool. I should have him on Why You Mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would actually yeah. be really interesting. Why like, you as, money mad? Yeah. Like as coming money. from like the you know Marxist lens, he could talk about that, and he could also talk about performance because he is at base a performer. Damn, you actually that would be a really good episode. I'm gonna try to do that. I'm gonna email Jim Kramer. Just do like yeah. I'm gonna email Noam Chomsky and be like, "Can you get me in contact with Jim Kramer? <laughs> I know you guys know each other." <laughs> not. Yeah. So why is everybody mad that people are emailing Noam Chomsky? It's just become sort of uh, like it's something anybody can do. Uh, and it's become sort of cringe, according to some people. Uh, and I sort of get it where people are coming from because what will happen sometimes is someone will write out like this, you know, long essay and send it to him. And then he'll, because he has thousands of emails to respond to, like, this is what he does for fun. Like, I play computer solitaire, other people, you know, play Final Fantasy or whatever, or knit or hike. Uh, he answers emails. That's This is his hobby. Um, and so he has thousands to get to. So a lot of them, he just doesn't really have time to flesh out responses to. So he'll give you a pat response and you can sort of phrase your email in a way to get him to agree with whatever, you know, Twitter point you're trying to make um but i'd say it's still worth emailing him if you have an interesting question uh because he's not going to be around for that much longer you might as well get what you can out of the guy um he's going to die soon and uh there's you know he's he has some some wisdom it's not right about everything but he has some some wisdoms there yeah he's kind of like Ever like your own grandparent, where you're like, oh, I could yeah. email them, and I just never do it. But you know you right. can. Right. Fire off two emails today: one to your own grandfather or grandmother, and then one to Noam Chomsky. Same questions. I'll try. My grandfather died before email existed, but uh, it's. I could send one. I wonder if they're setting up email accounts for dead people. I well, you know they for. Uh, Voting, uh huh, right. You know what I'm saying. All you need is an email address to register to vote. That's not true. But stop the steal. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take it. Yeah, back. I think now that people are talking about like, don't email Noam Chomsky. More people are gonna do it and be like, I didn't know that you could email him and he would answer. I'm gonna email so. him right now and ask him who he thinks people people should vote for a rank number one in New York for mayor. Oh, good oh, fucking God. lord. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate this. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that they introduced ranked choice voting, and then they were here like, here's nine people that all suck. suck. And ranked choice, you know, is it even that effective in, like, a primary, you know? Yeah. It's kind of better for, like, a general if you've got a dark horse third candidate that you want to support or something. Yeah, this shit sucks. I, I guess Maya Wiley is the one now that it's like AOC endorsed her, and I don't fucking 
okay on a couple issues, but, um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of feels like the least worst. Yeah. Uh, she was very anti-Bernie when she was in MSNBC talking head. Um, and apparently when she was head of the uh, community police board or whatever that is, the community review board for NYPD, she was in some ways a rubber stamp for like investigating cops. Uh, so what does basically that, what does that mean to be a rubber stamp? Like, yeah, I don't get for it. the NYPD. She wouldn't really, you know, look into, she would just kind of brush past a lot of oh, know, I see. cases. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she would side with NYPD a lot. Um, however, she could be the least worst, uh, and the least worst viable option. My controversial opinion is on on a policy level, uh, Scott Stringer is probably the best and would probably be the best outcome for the left. Wiley is just going to be a continuation of the Blasio, uh, mm-hmm. for better With or worse. With hula hoops. With hula hoops? Kind of, yeah. Big kind old. of a burner vibe going Big, on. I guess there. so. Earrings you're talking about, right? There's a photo of her hula hooping. Oh, really? Oh. I don't know about that. Maya yeah. Wiley. I didn't know that. Okay, never mind. I rescind my vote. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she's only doing it with one hula hoop, so okay. really rudimentary. No, it's but she, it's white boy summer, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's somebody who's like, I believe, is taking a little bit of you know shady money. Uh, yet I, she has said she's going to cut some of the donation, the uh, NYPD. Uh, so that's good. Um, but as far as policy goes, Stringer, I think, is the best, uh, particularly on economic issues. He's made it a point to really – he knows which way the wind is blowing in New York politics with the socialist movement. And he has um, formed a lot of coalitions with uh, DSA members, many of whom – I think all of whom uh, dropped him like a hot potato once the allegations surfaced. And uh, I think it's – they're credible. They could be. They could very well be true. But what I take issue with is people who are saying, uh, "Well, I can't vote for him. He's disqualified." When they're the same people who just voted for Joe Biden, uh, like less than a year ago. Sure. Uh, because yeah. whatever you think of uh, Stringer's allegations, th- there's no question that Tara Reid's against Joe Biden's are just. Objectively, there's more confirmation. There's more uh, corroboration. So I don't yeah. see how you can say, well, that's not true, but this is. Like, what are you basing that on other than, you well, know, just- Also, like, a, a election is not a character, like, contest. Yeah. I mean, if the outcomes will positively affect more, like, women and stuff like that through his policy, there is kind of a calculus there where it's like, you know... As long as he's not like a like a person who handles a, a, a thing like that like really really badly, then I don't think that maybe even plays into this because you know a lot of times with these guys, if something happened, you know, like there's a correct response that they can have about it and go, "Hey, I'm taking this seriously and I'm a human and all this stuff." And then if they also have the right platform. I don't see that much of a problem. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is like dicey territory, but like... To, Canceled. To, 
to maybe maybe uh, yeah maybe they shouldn't be in a position of power i don't fucking know man well but it but if that's that's contingent on it frankly being true and it could be i think there should be an investigation and scott stringer said there should be investigation but the mere f- this i just think it sets a really bad precedent where an allegation can disqualify somebody a provable allegation of this nature should disqualify somebody. But if that's the standard we're going to set, I think that's pretty dangerous territory. And it's all, and it's also selectively uh, enforced territory because Maya Wiley herself, with way more evidence uh, against her, dismissed Tara Reid's allegations. Right. A really disgusting move. Uh, and now that she's as a, you know, <laughs> she is a competitor with a, again, Whatever you think of it, it is there's less substantiation. Uh, she's she's calling for him to drop out and condemning him. So I, I just don't think people can have it both ways. Uh, Here, here's my hot take about the New York mayor's election. Well, it's more of a hot question. <laughs> Please right. uh, answer it for me. It is I mean, I guess the main thing is Diane Morales is just she never had a shot at winning. But let's say she had a shot at winning. Even with the union busting, does she still have the best platform? Or is that like you're just fucking done? Like it's a disqualification. It's hard to say. I mean. Because I feel like they would all union bust. uh, Well, I think honestly in that the situation she was in, I think they would all union bust. That's not a judgment on. What what was the union demanding? Were there demands outlandish i mean i'm gonna get some heat here but i in some ways yeah they're talking about like pay for volunteers and like 25 dollars an hour and things that yeah just i mean i think the solution to this is everybody joins the uh the there's a campaign for there's a union for campaign workers and everyone who wants to work on a campaign should join that union uh, instead of trying to form a union, organize on, for every campaign. Yeah, start like, a thousand unions that are going to last a, a couple of months. You know. Yeah. Um, Steyer, one hundred and one local. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I get the tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's you know, I don't think the way she handled it was good. But my beef with Morales is more so. Uh, I think that. It, you know, to me, the most important thing in politics is money. Uh, and she's getting a lot of small donations, and that's good. But you look at her background, um, she is she, – she comes from the nonprofit sector, and they have been responsible for a lot of evictions. She works for a company that has evicted a lot of people, and she has basically mm-hmm. had zero – I mean, nonprofit? Like care for landlords. It was FIPS. Save uh, the landlords. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like she's in the I Hannibal mean, Burris one. They hang out together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is kind of the thing that people were accusing Julia Salazar about on like three years ago, and I called it out. Or I thought that was bullshit back then, and I do think the accusation is a little more uh, has more to it this time because, and the accusation being that she's a Jilly come lately. Uh, which is true. Um, she has not, you know, the stuff about defund the police and social housing, and it's it's mostly. And if you look at the more radical parts of her platform, it's mostly on on defund. Um, 
housing stuff is a little murky. Like she uses radical language, but the proof is in the pudding and it's a little unclear if she's actually committed to, to social housing. She's talked about it, but the, uh, the most important thing here is that she has had zero relationship, zero history or background with the housing tenants movement in New York City. She's had zero, you know, uh, history of really any involvement in the progressive movement. Uh, she endorsed Andrew Cuomo in 28 or she voted anyway for Andrew Cuomo in 2018. You know, someone like Julia Salazar was, you know, as a teenager conservative. And then she had a, a relatively com- long uh, path to socialism and a, a genuine one. And she was someone who did not want to run and people had to encourage her to run. And she had been a DSA member and had been involved in radical politics. That is none of that is true of Diane Morales. She is pro charter school. Uh, she has not backed away from that. She's her rhetoric has gotten a little bit vaguer, but that's one of the reasons she said I'm not a progressive um, when this campaign started, because she is pro quote unquote school choice, and we know what that means. You know, she wants to bust the. I mean, the the impact of that is ultimately going to be to bust the New York Teachers Union uh, and to to slowly privatize public education. Um, okay. So. She's good on one issue, but I, I just think like there's so many question marks and just uh, the just a lot of blatant opportunism that people should be really uh, skeptical of and really slow to to rank her. I mean, okay. Well, my other question is: Is Andrew Yang dumb enough to where when we get him in, we could just gaslight him into doing everything we want? <laughs> with like a strong enough city council and I'll go to his house with a megaphone like Alex Jones and yell shit at him. <laughs> I think more so than Eric Adams. And that's really the the key test. I think it's a little, you know, it's it's all relative, right? And I think there's no question in my mind that Yang would be better than Adams. Uh, Garcia, I'm not too clear on because she does have like a decent housing. She wants a Green New Deal for public housing and that's cool. Um, but Andrew Yang, uh, and this is a point where I saw Ross Barkin make who we've had on the show would be a weaker mayor than Adams. He's the most popular. He's the, would be the weakest out of all the front runners basically, because he has no institutional ties to the city. And that is something that, especially with a caucus on the city council, the socialist movement can exploit. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher to stick up to a mayor, Adams, when he already has a longstanding relationship with all of the unions in New York State, New York City, uh, you know, there's no question he's he's going to be uh, another rubber stamp for the NYPD. Uh, Yang, his advisors, I'm sure, will all be pushing him in that direction. But if there's an organized movement and public pressure and leverage on the council, then I think his hand will be tied. So, like, just organizing a labor action or strike or something would be so much easier under Yang than Adams because Adams has those ties and he can make those phone calls to people and, you know, 32 BJ and say like, Hey, don't, don't go along with this. And Yang doesn't have those connections. If Yang is mayor, I could DM him and True. <laughs> yeah. suggest and give you, he answers all his DMs. Like he's the Chomsky of DMs. No, he's the anti Chomsky. I have DM'd him before and he did not answer me. <laughs> did you ask him to come on? 
I uh, I I told him uh, that the guy who owns the state of New York is uh, platforms racists because he was doing like you know pictures and shit with them. And uh, I should have just asked him to come on the show. I'm gonna see if he'll come on. Why you mad first? And uh, yeah, I mean he's he's a big comedy fan. It seems. I guess he is. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he introed Chappelle at that fucking show. Yeah. Right. Huh. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm gonna tell him I'm <laughs> Dave Chappelle. <laughs> no, I know. I'll tell him I'm Neil Brennan. I'm the co-creator of Chappelle. <laughs> I t- I did all the typing for Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes you the writer. It's official. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think the least because there's not a good outcome. There is a least worst outcome, and I think that would be either Wiley or Stringer, and then the second least worst would be Yang. Uh, it will be a very dark day in New York City if Eric Adams is elected. And they're already doing this thing. I just I used to watch the Bill Maher show all the time uh, just because they would have good guests on it. And I can't do it anymore. Just it makes me so angry. Yeah. Uh, and just I was watching a clip of it just the other night. And he was saying like, yeah, the, the defund the police movement is really backfiring. You look at New York City. And the guy in the lead is a black guy who carries a gun and <laughs> hates the defund movement. He's winning. And it's like, okay, how much is he winning by? Because it does not mention the fact that there are 40 people in the race. Yeah. And he he's in the lead in a lot of polls, but that's a plurality, right? That's there's the vast majority of... Democrats in New York City are not supporting Eric Adams. Uh, and if what you're saying is true and they had Paul Begala go off in his little spiel about, oh, defund so white. Uh, if that was true, then Larry Krasner, Kim Fox, all these progressive DAs, decarceral DAs would not be getting elected and reelected in like majority minority cities. Yeah, no, that's dumb as shit. Yeah. Yeah. When are we going to get the results from the mayoral race so you can stop talking about it next week yeah it's on tuesday yeah oh, i can't wait until the end of it <laughs> i know i hate it, it we can forget all these people in yeah. the race this shit sucks and it's been going on for so long but it is getting spicy well the city council race is getting spicy yes that's the one that's the one to watch oh, right is city council because they're sex tapes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I see. It was a nice Anders Lee style uh, segue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Let's talk about this guy, Zach Wiener. Of course, they're all named Wiener. <laughs> oh, no. The Wiener dynasty <laughs> has something in common. I had not been following this guy because uh, for political reasons he didn't seem that interesting and i'm not in his district or anything like that and like i just why would you no one knows who he is he had like 300 followers on twitter before this happened oh this fucking city council candidate had a sex tape i guess like leaked and then it's confusing i'm still confused on what actually happened here because the new york post then published an article with like the picture from it as the picture for the article which is like hella illegal like they've essentially committed revenge porn against this guy well actually you know what they kind of didn't though because 
so it's weird in the in the picture it looks like they're just doxing the shit out of him but then in the article it says that he his campaign manager like sent the tape to the New York Post so people and have so been speculating. Probably because he was dis- a disgruntled worker on the campaign or something like that. Here's what I think happened. People have been, uh, what do you call it, speculating that maybe it was a publicity stunt because the guy was just like, <laughs> well, I'm losing, so I might as well just do something insane and see if that like <laughs> jukes yeah. the numbers or something. But I don't think, like that. to me that just seems like a very cynical like uh, thing to think happened because he tweeted like a note app thing it was like hey here's my response to the thing and he said i didn't want this to happen but since it's happening here's what i have to say about it i don't give a shit fuck you yada yada same thing happened to me i did the same thing and i know why he did it which is that i so here i think that Except like every Hasidic man in New York City is going to relate to being in a dungeon. Right, maybe, tied maybe, up. Maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> said it. This is Hold my on. guy. But, but let me. So here's here's my take on this. I think that someone tried to leverage it over him, like blackmail him, and so he decided I'm going to get in front of this issue and make a statement, and then that'll be that. And I don't give a shit. I don't understand though why he did that. By sending this information to the New York Post specifically, because that is like an evil conservative, like mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, they did like rhymes and stuff, like wordplay in it. It's hey, fucking yeah. weird. <laughs> this doesn't really add up. I don't. I don't know. But I just as literally like as someone who like someone literally tried to do this to. I understand. I think I empathize with where the guy's coming from. It's not like he just got in front of the fucking issue. I don't know. What do you think? I guess. Uh, I mean, I yeah. Uh, I just don't think it's that big of a deal because well, it's yeah. like not. It's consensual. I mean, it's legal. It's well, it's fucking stupid that that would even be a thing. And I think that honestly, we are like moving into an era of history where that is sort of going away. Just as like Zoomers are growing up and stuff, and everyone is just casting away even the ideas of like gender at all and stuff like that. Yeah. These are very conservative social mores to cling to and someone like someone a while back i was on a dating app and uh i was sexting with someone and then they asked me for a dick pic and then they found all my contacts via social media because i used my handle my public handle on the dating app and they tried to blackmail me they were like you're gonna send me 500 dollars, or else i'm gonna show all these people your dick and i told the person like everyone's seen my dick like i don't care <laughs> <laughs> it does not matter to me and you will not get my 500 dollars. and uh but i could tell like this person was operating on like there's still a stigma around something S- some things that are like around the edges of sexuality like the world of it Right, because like it's weird. You can't. Used to be, you could blackmail a politician if you found out they were secretly a homosexual. You know, right? Yeah. And like and you, now it's a plus. Right yeah. now it's like you're Pete Buttigieg. You uh, can depending steal where you're running. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Fair. But this is New York City, though. Right. <laughs> like, this yeah. Is, yeah. In Manhattan. This is the best place for this scandal to for for this candidate. Yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah. He's gonna get the Dungeon Workers Union. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Uh, this, he's where in the village. 
I don't. Uh, fuck, I don't even remember. This is gonna clean up if so. I was yeah, thinking. Gonna be. I was like, is this guy in like Chelsea? Is because that honestly now I'm like kind of got the galaxy conspiracy brain about it. If he's in like the neighborhood where all those sex shops are and shit, maybe right. it is kind of bullshit. But I just I have a hard time calling him a liar as the victim of a doxing. You know what I mean? Right. Doesn't really yeah. add up to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting. To, I mean, yeah, the fact that his campaign manager sent the thing is interesting. I mean, it could be like Lee Carter did this a few years ago where uh, the Republican Party there was trying to, um, you know, find out some dig up some dirt on him. And he was just like, here's all my dirt. And he wrote this long Twitter thread, Yeah, which at the time I was like, that's awesome. But in retrospect, may have not been the best idea. I think it's uh, cool. I think there are other things that contributed him to be him being less awesome recently. Right. Yeah, fair enough. But that could be the strategy of just getting in front of it and saying, yes, I did this. By the way, here's everything I've, bad I've done. So you can't. Ha. Ah, you know yeah, what else? Here's what else I think might have happened. His campaign had a meeting where they were like, we're being threatened with someone is going to send this to all of the news outlets. So we are going to send it to all the news outlets with our explanation of the story, which is that if you run this, you need to tell people that this was consensual and that this is a stupid thing to have a controversy over. And then right. the one that ran the story was the New York Post, which they're dicks. So then they, <laughs> in the article, made sure to be dicks about it and go like, he sent us the fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> which is like a bad way to tell that story. But they're political opponents of this person. So, of course, they would tell the story in a way that makes him sound like an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense. The New York Post, conservatives also like <laughs> will... Somebody pointed this out. That was a good point, which is that they're all anti-porn, so they all want to shut down Pornhub. And the New York Post runs shit all the time about how people are trying to sue Pornhub for, like, uh, you know, unconsensually. Child trafficking. Well, yeah, because, yeah. like, if you're, you can't tell if everyone whose porn has been uploaded to Pornhub is consensual. Which is, like, if you're concerned about that, why would you run, you know what I mean? Like, this is backwards. But it's an inconsistent right. fucking thing. It's just, they just hate our side of the you know the political war or whatever right it's that it is weird to be like the free speech party or you know group uh but then be against porn um which is you know they i mean if they actually cared about the working conditions of the performers then maybe <laughs> that would make sense but i don't think they do they no. care about children. That's what they care about. Well, he's like a child. I mean, look at him. Just, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's a, you know. Look at this virgin. <laughs> he's a twink. He's a heterosexual <laughs> twink. Uh, as far as I know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other weird thing about this story is that, so after all of, you know, the discourse over, oh, somebody fucking doxed a politician or a guy running for office or whatever, uh, what hasn't even come up is what he's running on. So I looked at his platform a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I don't. I don't know anything about the race. I don't know who he's running against or whatever. It's weird because it's like, it's fine. It's not great. He's not like a DSA, you know, endorsed type or anything like that. He's got this interesting idea where he, what he wants to do is, if uh, it's for schools for like children in schools. You get like um, 
it's I think every grade you pass, you get like five hundred dollars put into like a fund that you get when then you graduate or something like that. Mm. It's like incentivization to graduate, which is uh, creative, I guess. It just struck me as like kind of Andrew Yangy. Like it's like okay, yeah. cool, but if you do that in ten years, they're just going to make college costs that much more money or whatever. Right, uh, a better yeah. platform would be free. College. I think there are a lot of. Th- programs and maybe even there are some pilot programs exist that pay high school students because they do have options to work so it does make sense if you want them to graduate yeah the um i mean in st paul actually i believe they're doing something with every child born the year 2020 and after which (laughs) i have a friend who this just he just misses the cutoff uh the every kid gets a the college fund uh, which is cool, you know, and I get that, like, that's probably the best you could do at the municipal level. But ultimately, I think we should just, you know, make college free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, that's why I'm like, I don't I don't know. <laughs> People are saying, like, oh, I'm going to vote for this guy now. Hell yeah. Like, it's like a bit or whatever. But like, you should your vote should not be affected by any of that shit. Right. It does. It makes him no better or no worse as a human being. Yeah. His kinks are. It sounds like um, he's fine, though. I don't know. I, I don't know who's running against. Yeah, I'm not sure. Elect but, Wiener. <laughs> but there are, you know, six TSA-endorsed city council candidates uh, and in New York City. And there has been a uh, annoying thing I have noticed that I would call uh, the return, the resurgence, or maybe it never went away, but uh, uh, Warrenism, Elizabeth Warrenism, is alive and well in the city of New York, in the borough of Brooklyn especially, uh, because there are, in at least two cases, DSA-endorsed candidates who are running uh, in primaries for city council. Some of them are kind of crowded, and they're running opposed to uh, uh, progressives, like in one case, a socialist who is a DSA member. And yet, even though this person did not get the endorsement from NYC DSA, they're continuing their campaign just out of spite and uh, because they believe they are more electable, even though just <laughs> the path you know, of and the that, snake. Right. There's no, nothing related to the actual numbers, as far as I know, that, that they're basing this on. Just in theory, they think they are a more electable candidate, <laughs> and therefore they are not removing themselves from the race. Uh, and uh, in, in against uh, Hollingsworth, who's running in bed there's somebody who I know people who are like leftists or consider self-identify as like Marxist or leftist who are endorsing and, and campaigning for his opponent, Crystal Hudson, who is backed and used to work for Lori Cumbo, who is... Cumbo. Yeah. Just Sorry. A, <laughs> I know we're talking <laughs> politics seriously Cumbo now. Cumbo Land Farms. <laughs> she's absolutely dreadful, uh, and she's term-limited out, but she's absolutely 100% in the pocket of developers. She is responsible for the Bedford Union Armory, Armory Development uh, and her former employee is running to replace her, and she's kind of distancing herself from her. But somehow, uh, 
uh, uh, Crystal Hudson has managed to convince people that she, no, she is actually the most progressive candidate, and she's the one who can win. Um, which what, is just, I understand why you're comparing this to Elizabeth Warren, but I'm so confused as to like, is there like an Elizabeth Warren playbook now that like the yeah. third way is giving out or something, or they're just it's like the more sane alternative to. Uh, the progressive i think it what, what i would how i would characterize it it's ignoring the democratic deliberation of a mass organization that shares your values and uh hitching yourself to the veneer of electability and pragmatism regardless of the actual facts it's it's the appearance of pragmatism it's the appearance of not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good but you're just torpedoing the opportunity to actually govern from, uh, you know, as a socialist. And it's uh, also marketing yourself as you Bernie light, you know, Bernie light, extremely woke, not very radical on economic issues. Don't yeah. get Bernie light, get the full Bernie, with <laughs> the controllers that you can take off and use as joy cons while you play on your TV screen. Right. <laughs> but it's like, there are, you know, so many, Bernie uh, would be really good at Nintendo Switch games because he wags his arms around so much. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see him playing Wario Wares and getting really mad at the little guy on the screen that looks like yeah. him? <laughs> Wario. Um, yeah, but apparently somebody traveled to New York City from Boston, I believe. I'm not going to name the person, but uh, they, <laughs> they uh, did that all to campaign for someone who uh, has not been in, a DSA member traveled to, oh, to campaign for that. someone who is not endorsed by DSA, and they, there was a process. She, you know, the candidate applied for the endorsement and didn't get it. Uh, and there have been other occasions, like with Jamal Bowman, who this was before DSA got involved in the race, but he was running against somebody at the beginning of the primary who's actually better on had a more cohesive, uh, more anti-imperialist uh, foreign policy position. Uh, and he ended up, and more support on the ground, ended up not getting those endorsements, though, uh, from, you know, Justice Democrats and Sunrise and all that, and decided the smart thing to do and the comradely thing to do was to bow out and endorse Bowman to take out Elliot Engel. And I think that was a good decision. It may not have been, uh, you know, perfect the way it went down, but I think the outcome has been pretty good. You know, Bowman has wound up having pretty good uh, politics when it comes to foreign affairs. So, um, so that's New York City. And just one thing I want to touch on too is India Walton, who's running in Buffalo for mayor, DSA endorsed. And uh, if she pulls this off, I think it would be a a really good thing uh, because we need more. You know, I am very sympathetic to the argument that we should focus on seats, whether it's you know legislative seats, state house, state senate. City council, that should be our number one priority. But where we can win a, an executive position like a mayoralty or at least give the establishment a run for their money, we should do it. Uh, and I think, you know, th she's had um, uh, at the beginning not very much name recognition, but the more she's getting, the more popular she is. So if she wins, I think that would be really good just to have somebody in an executive position to position themselves to potentially run for governor or senate something like that uh so if you're free in the next couple of days please volunteer for if you're in buffalo please volunteer for india walton if you're in nyc volunteer for a 
someone on the slate. Uh, and if you're not in either of those places, you can phone back. Okay. We are at about an hour, so we can do uh, plugs and probably get out of here. And that was a nice way to segue into them. Thank you. Um, if you, I'm going to fix the fucking Coke episode, so it'll come out, I guess, alongside with this, if you are someone who like missed the last episode because of that. It's two hours long, so it'll be like you got all of the podcast all at once, like you held a hose, and then water built up in it, and then more podcast came out. <laughs> um, this all happened while, I guess, the three of us had simultaneously taken vacations without really planning it. Myself, Hella included in that. So, uh, if you're... I, no one's yelled at us about the podcast yet, so I, I guess... I, you know what I'm trying to do right now? Get in front of the issue. Uh, New York Post, yeah. podcaster... His shit comes out late. <laughs> it's deplorable. He also has a sex tape like the other guy. Um, and then there's wordplay. Podcaster casts a rod and no fish arrive for him <laughs> in his Patreon. I don't know what the fuck this metaphor is going off the rails. Um, whew, yeah. So uh, anyway, I don't know. If you're an internet person and you were mad about us being late on shit, uh deal with it this is <laughs> the rules around here are that we do not set any rules so that we cannot disappoint um but we're or like back. outback steakhouse no, no rules. rules just right yeah and also there's a topless woman having a mental episode inside of the bar throwing bottles <laughs> everywhere Did you guys see that video a couple weeks ago yeah, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that woman was 53 years old. Really? Uh, yeah, and she looked great. It was insane. Yeah. Um, also pretty sad because she was clearly mentally ill and a cop tased <laughs> her. She's having a day. Uh, who hasn't, honestly, thought yeah. about doing who that? Who hasn't? Um, yeah, so show's back to normal. Shit will be out soon. Why you mad? Blah, blah, blah. Luis is on vacation. We skipped a week. I don't know. Fuck it. Merch for sale and uh, stand-up comedy. I will do at some point in the future. I don't know. I'm so fucking tired. I'm not really even feeling back yet. Uh, work on this shit tomorrow. Anybody else? At Anders Leher on Twitter, which is how I introduced myself today. I don't even know how I why I did that uh, vacation brain. Um, and uh, you can check out Naomi and myself on Redacted Tonight, which is on youtube and portable.tv and um check out our discord and our patreon uh got a video with me interviewing a former elected official which we don't do super often uh jim scheibel and uh we've got some good phone bonus spicy bonus content coming up as well so be on the lookout for that ass remember what we had howard hawkins and talk about the greens Oh yeah, that was pretty. Our hawkers, <laughs> hey, we're lost in the sauce. Our hawkers. <laughs> uh, Naomi, you got anything? Ooh, I do have a show at the Knitting Factory on July twenty fourth. Go check it out. It's called Bitches Brew. Uh, Ten dollar tickets. Hell yeah, I love it. Okay, well, well, it's finished. It's finished. Naomi, are you gonna say it? Sit? Sit. Sit. Oh, finished. It's finished. finished. <laughs> <laughs> Sit.